Hello, hello, I am Matthew Witt, and I'm back with the Cutting Edge podcast thingy, presentation project. You know, it's just a fun time chatting about Julius Caesar, Shakespeare, and the AP literary projects I have to do along with this famous novel slash play. Today, I am supposed to be doing uh, reviewing one of the AP, what is it, lenses, and creating an argument around it. So what the lenses are, I, I mentioned in episode one, they're the general idea of looking at a story or picture or anything really and setting it through that idea, through that morals or anything like that. For example, like I mentioned before, de- deconstructionism, the idea that no story means anything if it has opposing opinions. Or new criticism, where you just take specific pieces of evidence, and then you create an argument around that. There's, like, a bunch of other ones. There's, like, the feminism. There's the um, Marxist, which, are funny enough, that's the one I'm going to use. Marxism is the idea of equality. But in a lens format, it is the idea that the story is about, or specific parts of the story, is about uprising and going against authority. Which may be a low-bearing fruit of this, but I also low-bearing fruit due to Caesar. But I'm not gonna make it that I'm not gonna make it that difficult. I'm gonna sorry. I'm gonna make it a little bit more difficult because I'm only allowed to use anything from Act Two. In the previous episode, I was only allowed to use anything from Act One for my project. Today, I'm only using things from Act Two. Tomorrow, I will use Act Three along with a special guest I have chatting about all of that. Though, due to this special guest, there will be some questions out of side of just Act 3. And for context, there is five acts in Julius Caesar. I should have probably mentioned that before, but you know what? It's fine. So my general argument for Marxism in itself is that the story and the story is about the uprising against Caesar, which is basically, which is the general plot. But then it also changes throughout the rest of the book. But I'm just going to focus on Act 2. And then my and for example, this is the main. I'm going to use at least like one example from each scene, or at least from the first two scenes, because they have the most prominent evidence of this. Number one is the, actually the whole first scene of Act Two. It's basically Brutus, one of the main protag- oh, protagonists, with quotes, and Cassius, Lucius, and a bunch of other conspirators all gathering together at his home talking about the idea of going against Caesar and about who should they trust, who should they not trust. Sorry. Excuse me. And then he ta- uh, Lucius is actually one of his helpers, I believe. Uh, Brutus's helpers. He like uh, a gathering um, servant boy would probably be the best example or best way to describe him. He, uh, Brutus shows a notable trust in him, but that is not what I'm going to focus on now. I'm going to focus on the main project at hand, and then have fun talking about Act 2 as a whole. So, Brutus, he goes, he sleeps so... My brain's thinking. <laughs> so... This goes... Okay, so, this is where he begins. Sir, March is wasted 15 days. That means it is about the middle of March which is also around the time the Ides of March in itself. Ides, if I'm not mistaken, means around the center, around the, around the end. It's very... Uh, if Imagine if the, a month had 30 days. It's like the last 15. Last 10, 15. And then 
Uh, here's a little bit of the evidence about Marxism in itself. Since Cassius first did what against Caesar, I have not slept. Between the acting of a dreadful thing and the first motion, all the interim is a, like a phantasm or hideous dream. That genius, the genius and mortal instruments are then in council, and the state of man, like to a little kingdom, suffers then the nature of insurrection. This is from Brutus thinking to himself about the fact that Caesar, uh, not Caesar, sorry, Cassius got Brutus to help him go against Caesar. He's having self-doubts, yet he noted, but he notably doesn't focus on himself, he rather focuses on those on the people. Marxism is about the lower class, the people rising up against the higher class. Though this is a very muddled point, because Brutus is of the higher class, and he is helping taking down the even higher class. It's interesting to note because that also sort of happens in later acts where like Mark Antony, he leads the people to go against the higher ups, but then he, but he is a higher up himself. He is one of them. He, it's, it's an interesting idea to think about. And then after that little bit there, uh, he describes basic, he describes the fact that he hasn't slept the thing he, he's, uh, the fact that he's striving for, Uprising, he tries it as like a phantasm or hideous dream. The genius and of the mortal instruments, and they are then in council in the state of man, like to little kingdom, suffers them the nature of an insurrection. He's describing them like an insurrection itself, a phantasm or hideous dream, because he doesn't want to see it, though he knows it needs to happen. That which can connect to Marxism in itself, but that is more of a character detail. Then Lucius, his servant boy, kind of says Cassius at the door. And then Cassius brings in with him a bunch of conspirators. Casca, Decius, Cinna, Metellus, and Tribonius. Don't quote me on that name. <laughs> They're all different conspirators who are all working up against Caesar himself. This is another point of Act 2, Scene 1, being evidence of Marxism and the point. Then the idea that they are work. Sorry. They are all working together to go against Caesar. And Mark. I think we are too bold upon your rest, Gamora. Brutus, do we trouble you? That's Cassius speaking to Brutus about the idea, about uh, making sure that Brutus is available and open to talking about Marxism. Not sorry, <laughs> not talking about Marxism, talking about the uprising. I'm sorry. <laughs> In any case, then. It goes a little bit, they spend a little bit of time explaining the different um, conspirators for some reason, even though that they don't really seem to be important to the story. Like, I know that every bit of a story is important. I think I, be I believe I've mentioned that before, but like, this is a situation where they're just mentioned and never really brought up again. Like filler, but not really. Maybe it's like to prove the point that there's more people working together to kill Caesar to make like to make it clear that he needs to go down but then it raises the point of why well, kill Caesar like previous points mentioned it's interesting but I'm getting off subject then like throughout the rest of scene to uh scene one of act two they talk about um they're talking about how they should probably leave Mark Antony, no, like Decius says, shall no man else be touched but only Caesar? Then Cassius says, Decius will urge, I think it is not meet, 
think it is not meet Mark Antony, so beloved of Caesar, should outlive Caesar. We shall find him a shrewd contriver, and you know, his means, if improve upon, if improve them, may well stretch so far as to annoy us all. Uh, Cassius here is basically saying, let's kill Antony as well, which is also another point of Marxism that if you allow one bit to grow, or one bit to remain, then it will grow back up again. That's how, like, in Marxism itself, everyone must be equal. So if Cassius or the conspirators let Antony live, he may act, he may grow back up. Which is actually sort of foreshadowing if you think about it. But then Brutus comes in to say he seems it's too bloody, that it would just be a more of a murder rather than an actual uprising in itself. Because the reason why they put Brutus in the conspirators group in the first place was to show that it was an act of compassion towards the people. The people love Brutus. Brutus is like, uh, what's the best? Not teen heartthrob. That's a very weird statement. But like, imagine you're going to a school dance and like every person is expecting Brutus to be their prom king or just the king in general without actually being king. That's sort of what he is. Everyone loves him for that. So with him acting as the leader of the conspirators, our leader with heavy quotes, he is rather, he can rather make it seem like it's actually an act of compassion, an act of uprising to help the people become more up there. So he says, um, of course we seem to bloody Cassi uh, Cassius to cut off the head and then lack and hack the limbs. So what he's saying there is do not kill Antony because to cut off the head is Caesar, but then to hack the limbs is Antony because Antony, Caesar, they act as sort of one body. They're more like very close friends, but he's saying that they act as one body and that would be too ruthless. Though this could be a point against Marxism where it, it, Cassie seems to be more on the point of uprising while Brutus seems to be more on the point of humanization. Or humanization and the fact that he rather chooses to folk he rather choose you know what that's just gonna make that mute point e um let me talk about it a little bit and then a little bit later they go through they talk about uh, more about the plans against Caesar uh when see whether Caesar will come forth today or no, for he is superstitious, grown of late, quite from the main opinion that he held once a fantasy of dream and ceremonies. Maybe, uh, maybe these apparent prodigies, these accustomed terrors of this night, and persuasion of his urgers may hold him from the capital today. They were talking more about smart, uh, talking more about the uprising itself. I'm sorry if I keep mentioning Marxism. Like I get. My brain's thinking like, oh, these two are words are interchangeable, but they're not. Why? Why? And I will remind you, this is an open-aired conversation. I said that ten minutes in. You know what? I'm sorry. <laughs> Never fear that if he so be resolved, this is Decius. I can oversway him, for he loves to hear that unicorns may be betrayed with trees. So what Decius is saying here is that even if there's others that may prevent Caesar's death, Decius is sure that he can persuade Caesar to join him at the um, Capitol Hall, which is the place where they're going to murder him, which is actually an interesting point because in the next scene in itself, um, Caesar's wife comes into the play, her main picture, her main idea, Calpurnia. She has a dream that Caesar dies, that his statue is bathed with blood and that people are drinking of the blood. 
playing with his guts, if I'm not mistaken, which may be a bit vulgar, but I am not going into de detail with that. Uh, urging Caesar to stay home, which is interesting. It's an interesting character idea that even though that she's treated not well, she still loves Caesar. It may be because of his power, maybe because he's just a good person, maybe it's just because of love, but I won't decide on that itself. But this is where the Marxism point is coming. So whenever Calpurnia explains the dream to Caesar, and he, he becomes afraid of that. He becomes afraid of dying because of her interpretation of how they will murder her, uh, him, sorry, him, and enjoy the blood, enjoy his blood, how that's even a foreshadowing bit where Brutus and the other conspirators are bathed in his blood, mainly in their hands. Then, before, then right after Caesar decides to stay home, Decius comes in. This is where the Marxism point comes in, where Decius intentionally goes out of his way to reinterpret, to re-corrupt the dream, to help the bring along the uprising. In itself, Caesar is afraid currently, but he's also a very superstitious man, and he's also not going to lie, he's a very sexist man. He believes in Decius more than he does his wife. As, for example, whenever they're talking to one another, he seems to follow along with Decius's ideas that Calpurnia is just insane or she's just weird. And Caesar doesn't even question that. That's his general idea of all of that. The, the general points of uh, Marxism in itself. And that's really all I have for that. And besides from that, I'm just going to now casually explain Act 2. Act 2 is the setup to Act 3, which, pff, that's of course obvious, but what's it really about is setting up the characters of Brutus, Cassius, and Caesar. They're adding in more details to them, like how Brutus continues to be only focused on the common good, how Cassius seems to slowly become more manipulative, like how he be, like he's more ruthless. How Caesar is more superstitious, but he also has even more humanization to him. How he'll listen to his wife, even though he'll ignore her, like, right after. And how he seems to be filled with fears, hopes, or hopes to be a good leader, and stuff like that. And then he also is a superstitious man, which is expounded upon even more. Because in the first act, he was just, hey, I'm, like, I'm superstitious, but only to a certain point. And then now here, he's just superstitious in general. Actually, now I think about it, the soothsayer said, beware the Ides of March. Correct, yes. But then right after that, he sent it away. But then as soon as he listens to Calpurnia, his wife, talking about that, he instantly listens. Or he almost instantly listens. He listens after a bit. Which is an interesting character trait. Maybe he loves his wife. Even though if he doesn't listen to her well, maybe he loves her wife and actually understands her. To the point of that she'll, he'll believe her. Which is an interesting character trait. And then that's really all I have. Actually, my next episode will be an interesting one. As I mentioned, I will have a special guest. Actually, one of my teachers who have read and talked about Julius Caesar with me for a bit. This is also, we're also going to go over chap, uh, this Act 3, one of my favorite acts of all time. One of my favorite villains will be appearing of all time, and one of my favorite speeches of all time. So hopefully you enjoyed that. I will remind you this is an open-air conversation, so active mistakes, active stuttering, active me being a nerd will be appearing. Active me making, like, random comments in between, all of that will happen. So I just hope you enjoy it. 
Bye-bye.